0: Hi and welcome to The Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Sukh Pavia. Hello folks and welcome to episode 48 of The Three Good Podcast. It is quite something to think that this podcast has been going for several years now. It's a little pet hobby of mine, um, and it's one of these where I I would like to give it more time, but I just haven't allowed myself the space or time to really get into it in recent times. So 2022, my intent is let's try and put more, con- more effort into the podcast and see where this can potentially take us. So, how are we doing in 2022, folks? It's uh, it's been quite some two years that we've had with the pandemic ongoing, and I hope I hope you have been safe during this time, and that um, if you have fallen ill because of Omicron or because of any other kind of illness that's been coming your way, that it's it's passed and that you're able to get into 2022 with uh, with good things you um, and if you haven't been able to get over stuff yet then i hope you're able to take care of yourselves and really look after your health and um and those around you as well so today um in this episode i want to talk about the question can you be too positive and i think um this question is hopefully going to be quite interesting to explore um I'm going to be drawing on a couple of sources that i've been coming across for uh, the book i'm writing positively emotionally mindful and in there the first chapter i try and address actually um, the difference between positive thinking and positive psychology um, because i think it's important for people to understand that they aren't the same things and that when we talk about positive thinking it's a it's more about a mindset um, whereas when we talk about positive psychology, it's about the purposeful study of how do we help people improve their well-being and their resilience. So um, when I when I was doing that, when I was looking into you know what, what does what, what do you know what do we know from an evidence-based perspective, and some key things came out, which I, I just want to read out first. First is um, a a way to understand um, kind of what we might be referring to here in terms of a spectrum so I think uh, and, and this is where I've landed so this is my own creation I call it a positivity continuum and what I think this continuum looks like is on one at one place we have what we could call helpful reframing And this is where I think about positive thinking as most people are going to experience it. It's where we, uh, uh, you know, something happens and it would just be better for us and or more helpful for us if we just reframe how we're thinking about that thing. So it's not as either devastating or it's not as dramatic as we might be making it out to be, right? So, for example... It might be something like you've had a bad journey into work because of delayed trains and uh, your, your, your normal disposition might be to moan about it and groan about it and tell someone how pissed off you are about this delayed train journey that delayed you getting into work I know that many of us are have been um, advised to stay at home from the government so I'm using an example which we're probably familiar with pre-pandemic times um, but in that kind of scenario um, you know moaning and venting is obviously one response and it could also be helpful to just reframe that as a way to be able to think oh yeah I did have it was frustrating that the train was delayed but actually what it allowed me to do was catch up on um, on, on a book that I was reading uh, and I got quite far into it and I, quite, and I quite enjoyed that so I didn't mind actually that there was a delay on the train or another example might be Uh, You've been given a project to do uh, by your manager and it's not something that you've had to do before and you're going to find it quite challenging and uh, your response might be something along the lines of uh, this is really hard and really tough and I don't know if I've got the skills for it and I've been given a task at which I'm probably going to fail and uh, this is ultimately to try and get me out of the business and isn't my manager such a bad person right you can see how kind of that spiraling of thinking takes place because um, of the person's um, frame of how they're thinking about that project they've been given so again when we think about the helpful reframing we could also look at that as this is a real opportunity to upskill myself and show my manager that i'm really capable of performing in a different way that I can achieve the results that they're looking for from this project and this is going to be a great opportunity to be able to stretch myself and and see what I'm capable of doing and you can see the, the real difference there right and that helpful reframing is what it says right it's helpful and it's a different way to think about that situation that's in front of us where I am And in general, you know, when we think about um, the kind of helpful reframing piece, I think it it can be helpful in lots of ways. It can be helpful for things like idea generation, you know, so if you're having to come up with a different way to do things, positive thinking in that way is a good thing, you know, it's let's try and see what ideas we can come up with, support other people when they come up with their good ideas, um, encourage people to be free with their thinking, that's all going to be good and helpful stuff it can be really helpful for competition, yeah, if you're taking part in some kind of competitive sport or a competitive game of some sort, yeah, it can be really helpful to kind of will yourself and talk yourself into a good state of mind, you know, um, if if you're at that kind of uh, uh, starting line, if it's a race, for example, you know, talking to yourself in in positive, affirmative terms is clearly going to um, be more motivating than if you uh, talk down about your opportunities and the chances that are ahead of you. Um, and it can be, you know, um, when positive thinking works well, I think it can be helpful for moving on from time bound, I think, you know, time limited events. For example, and this is a fairly trivial example, but your favourite sports team or your favourite sports player loses their match or the game that they're playing and it was an important one, they needed to have won it in order to get through to the next round. Um, And you're feeling particularly just kind of annoyed or frustrated about it. It's not a huge thing in terms of the impact, personal impact it's going to have on you or those around you. And it could be helpful in that instance to be able to think, Uh, I can get on from this and I can move on quite rapidly and quickly I don't have to really get drawn into the frustration or annoyance that might just come from that which is short-lived and it's um, broadly insignificant in in what you're trying to in your normal day-to-day of stuff so I think that's where at one end of the continuum we have positive thinking as a good thing you know it's it's where it can help with like i say the helpful reframing that's my language that's what i'm that's how i'm calling it um some key things around that is one i think um you know from um from research that's been done into how can positive thinking help with uh incidences that happen in our lives it's when it tends to be that um when events are time limited that that helpful reframing and that positive thinking can generate a level of um enthusiasm or motivation or um positivity um that helps for someone to be able to re- return to a level of uh feeling that they're in control and that they can um, get through whatever it is that, that they're facing um but that that's there's a key piece there which is around, it is a time-limited event and that's the instance where that kind of positive thinking can be helpful. Whereas if something is more long-term um, and it's hard to be able to put time frames around things, um, but I, I think if we understand that if something stays with us over a prolonged period of time, we can probably then recognise that thinking positively about a situation may not be the right kind of way to help mentally think through that situation. So, for example, if you're in a troubled or abusive relationship, thinking positively isn't going to be something that will help you to get through that. You need other support and other interventions to be able to make that better. Similarly, with Um, failed dieting for example that may not be something which positive thinking can necessarily help with there may need to be other intervention either medically or uh, with trained nutritionists to be able to help you think about um, the, the diet that you have and what that means for your health so That the thing around the time limited, I think, is really important. The other piece, which is often, uh, which is also important with this helpful reframing of positive thinking, is the appropriate level of positivity. Now we can understand that someone may be facing something, and um, or they may be facing a particular hardship, and because of that, it's not appropriate to use language like oh you've got this you can get through this um, because they're experiencing something where they are seeking either sympathy or empathy or just having an honest and open conversation and that kind of positive response which we might assume is helpful um, is not and that's where that starts to lead us into a a phrase called toxic positivity which I started to come across it a few years back and it started to really stand out for me because it's quite a difference actually to what we normally experience with positive thinking. And one um, definition of this I think I found in some of the research I've been doing has been quite helpful. It's from uh, Dr. Linda Shaw who wrote an article in the Chartered Management Institute Um, And she describes toxic positivity as something that can come in the form of advice from someone else who possibly unwittingly invalidates your feelings when you're feeling low or stops you feeling justified about your response to a situation with phrases like things could be much worse or they make light of your experience. She goes on to say toxic positivity also occurs when we feel we have to be positive all of the time and avoid feelings that are difficult to deal with, such as anger or hurt. So I'm just going to build on that a bit further because uh, Dr. Susan David, who's done a lot of work in the space of emotional agility is is the name of the book that she's written. Um, Some of the work that she's done in this space, she describes this toxic positivity as being seen as a form of moral correctness. And I think that's really, really interesting language that she uses there to be able to help us to understand that. Um, and a third um, definition as well, which is helpful, is from Dr. Tiffany Sauba-Milachi. I may have said that wrong, and if I have, I apologise. And she describes toxic positivity as the overgeneralization and encouragement of happy emotions across all areas. So I'm just going to take a pause for a minute and just revisit some of this uh, phrasing that we've just come across and just been hearing and uh, the the definitions, because I think they're really important in what they're saying. So this toxic positivity, I see this as being in the middle of a continuum. And, um, you know, if we go back to Dr. Linda Shaw's definition, that it it can come in the form of advice from someone who's um, unwittingly invalidating your feelings when you're feeling low, or stops you feeling justified about your response to a situation. There's some really important pieces in there, and that I think this is where sometimes we can get really confused with uh, why someone may not be responding to us well when we're trying to, when we think we're being helpful with our responses. Like, oh well, things could be much worse, or you know, things aren't that bad. Or, you know, uh, um, you know, saying something like, you know, you've got this, you, you can get through this, you've got the strength and resilience to get through this. Like, those are comments and phrases I have used plenty of times myself. And on reflection, when I think about it, what I've been trying to do there is say to the other person that... um. I want to be able to support you, but I don't know what that looks like. So I'm going to say something positive because I'm hoping that's going to be enough to motivate you to move through what you're experiencing. But that's not actually what that person has needed. What they've needed is to be heard and to have had empathy um, with what their situation is and what they're experiencing. And by using these phrases like oh things could be much worse or you've got this or you've got the strength to get through this what we're doing is we're saying to that person we're not hearing you oh yeah you're you're not being heard and in fact what we're trying to do is uh, or not trying to do what we're the impact of that type of response is um, that the other person is not able to fully explore or think about what they're facing because we're we're kind of shutting that down. We're saying to them, you're not allowed to explore this further because I haven't given you that support, that space, or that time to think through what you're experiencing. And um, so I think that's really interesting there from Dr. Shaw's definition about the, yeah, it's uh, coming in the ad- ad- form of advice where you're in- unwittingly invalidating other person's feelings. You know, and when Dr. Susan David talks about it as a form of moral correctness, you know, this is super interesting because I think we see this a lot in social commentary you know, when people are trying to put a positive spin on what can be a very hard situation. You know? So we've seen this, I think, plenty over the last two years with the pandemic and the way that different governments around the world have dealt with the, the situation. There are a lot of people who have tried to put a very positive spin on what is happening in what are very grave situations. You know, that's come from political leaders as well as um, you know, news commentators, as well as just general people commenting on the, the situation. And I think what, what, is, what, what that does is it fuels a, uh, a sense of um, not being heard and people's experiences being invalidated. Because we're trying to help people. Because what these other commentators are trying to do is they're trying to say we we recognise this is a hard thing. We're not, but we don't want to deal with that level of um, diff, uh, that level of challenge that we're facing uh, with that with language that is empathetic, and instead we want people to think that we're in control in what is a very rapidly changing situation but what it does is it just further inflames people who are experiencing incredibly challenging times by innate by um, by showing them that they're not being heard and they're not being listened to and um and then when dr um, tiffany malachi is saying how it's an overgeneralization encouragement of happy emotions across all areas yeah, again, I think we can see plenty of times where we've seen political commentators in particular um, or political leaders in particular, sorry, um, is you know, really trying to talk up what they're doing in very positive terms, even though there is clear data to show that actually what is happening across the country is a very damaging set of affairs. Um, And I'm not trying to focus too much on the political scene, but I think that's just where we see it happen a lot um, in the last couple of years in very, very public ways. Um, And I think, um, you know, I'm sure there are examples that we could all think of within workplaces or within personal relationships where people around us have tried to make things sound better than they are. By using phrases like, you know, well, we can get through this and, you know, as a team, everyone's got the power, all of that kind of stuff, where they're not really addressing the issues at hand. And they're just trying to inject a sense of um, positivity, which uh, which is inappropriate. It's not the right level of positivity and it's not required at that time. So I think there's some key things that, for me, I've picked up out of this when I've been doing my writing around this. One is is that it, toxic positivity is uncalled for solutions. So it's you know it's putting giving people a solution to a problem that they're saying they're having, but it's not being requested. You know it's when someone is trying to explain a difficulty they're facing, and your response or your um, you, for you your way of potentially helping is to say oh well i know what you need to do this is this is how you make that better often people aren't looking for a direct solution at that particular moment in time what they're looking to do is just be heard they want to be able to explore their thinking and so that uncalled for solution is often a symptom of toxic positivity and then the lack of empathy is a clear one as well where we're just not allowing the person that um uh, that personal space to be able to lean into what they're experiencing um yeah i think other ways that we can see or recognize toxic positivity is when we think that you know what's best for other people and yeah, i I'm, we have seen this a plenty with everything to do with the vaccinations with covid19 is where we've had plenty of people on both sides of the of the fence of of um, you know with with one group saying well, you have to get vaccinated in order to ensure that you restrict the um, possibility of severe disease and you've got the other side of group and you've got another group who are saying um, it is um, harmful to take a vaccination which has been so rapidly produced and um, we don't have enough health data to be able to justify it and um and 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 then what happens is with both those groups, you have very, very, very strong positions of, well, I'm right and I know what you're doing is wrong. You should listen to what I'm saying in order to get to the right solution. And they both equally think that they have that valid stance. That, that thinking that we know what's best for others is a clear sign of uh, toxic positivity where we try to inject or not inject, but we're trying to um, advocate for a certain type of position. But that's our position. It's not about trying to understand what the other person is experiencing and what they're going through. It's just trying to say, I I know what you, I I can see what's happening to you. And I think this is what you need to do in order to make things right. That's not necessarily what people are after. Um, And, you know, I I think this, the, the, the concept around toxic positivity is something which I think many of us can, can relate to Uh, we've probably experienced it ourselves we've probably done that ourselves not realizing that this is the impact we're having we've probably had friends and family do it to us and in so doing we we can feel the effects we we know what that feels and looks like for ourselves personally I think what we can do to combat toxic positivity is to start to allow ourselves and the, the time to think about how how empathetic am I being in this situation and what kind of response am I giving to the person I'm speaking to um, and how appropriate is that for what they're experiencing. It, it, it's so easy to be able to fall into, I know better and all, all you need is just some good G-ing up, um, even though that might not be what the other person needs. So to be able to develop that self-awareness, I think is really important in being able to understand the um, emotions the other person is trying to express, the language they're using, what it is that they're saying, the kind of situation they're describing, all of those factors, and then really trying to assess for ourselves: is this is my response right now helpful to them, or am I trying to impart some kind of grand wisdom? Which, which can be something that we easily fall into. So when I, um, when I said it a bit earlier, I think that toxic positivity sits in the in the middle of what I think a continuum looks like. At the other end, of then of this continuum, I think uh, from a lot of the writing and exploration I've been doing, I think what we have is relentless positivity. So this is just, um, for me, this is where we see the the elements of toxic positivity taken even further to extremes where it's persistent and unregulated positivity those are my words that's how i'm using that to i'm using that phraseology to describe relentless positivity and what i what i'm trying to define here is i think this is where people are so set on a path that the only type of response that they want to give and are allowing themselves to give is anything that is uh, that upholds what they believe in but they refuse to accept any other feedback or any other data or insight or uh, other people's experience because it doesn't fit with their worldview. it doesn't fit with the thing that they're trying to advocate for and promote Um, It's around real stubbornness. And I think it's around not uh, and it's and it's quite likely involving arguments with others as well, because all you're believing is this is the right path. Whatever I have decided on, whatever I'm talking about is the truth. There is no other way to think about what this what I'm talking about. And I've experienced this plenty um, in the last couple of years where I've spoken to people who have given me really, really clear expression of their position of things like COVID-19 and the what the government is doing and how Brexit is progressing and all of these things. And they're really, really clearly on this relentless positivity thing. It's not even toxic positivity, it's relentless positivity. For them, they are set on, this is... The only way we can think about this and anything else is unacceptable. I think when people are in that space of relentless positivity, it is incredibly hard to have any kind of meaningful conversation because they're not allowing themselves to hear any other opinion. And when they do hear another opinion, it's often met with clear argument and putting down you know, of um, putting down the other person, using language which is derogatory about the other person. It is probably um, offensive language in some instances as well. You, you know, this is a kind of person who is so clear that that what they're saying is right. Nothing else can possibly enter, and they're not allowing any other uh, uh, thinking to take place. Because if they, um, if they if they don't keep on that track it's hard it's hard to be able to say what what that means beyond that but this is i think what we can also experience in terms of a continuum of positivity um i think if we if we were to try and support someone in that position is to really try and help that person to engage in dialogue and at least to be able to hear other people's perspective. I don't think we could offer more than that for that person because it would take a lot of, uh, I think, self-insight, self-awareness, personal reflection to really think about is that level of positivity appropriate for everything that they're experiencing and is it having the desired effect that they need for things like relationships projects that might be working on teamwork you know, all sorts of uh, different aspects of how your life might be going um, because in, in many cases uh, well not in many cases there are going to be cases where having that level of positivity is just not the right way to think about something you know so for example if um if you've if you've had particular hardships through the last two years you know if you've lost a job or if you've lost family members to be relentlessly positive through that and not allow yourself to experience sadness or to experience grief or to experience annoyance and frustration right? that, that's not a helpful place to be and i think what we i think one of the things that this writing and exploration has helped me as i've been thinking about you know this positivity continuum is that there is a level there is a place and time for positive thinking which is at that early stage that helpful reframing when things start to move into the toxic positivity space or even the relentless positivity space is where we deny ourselves what it is to be human because we're denying the range of emotions that we have available to us you know, we have emotions like anger, disgust, fear, um, sadness, um, annoyance, frustration. All of these things they exist for a reason within our um, within our uh, human condition, and they are there to be explored and to be to help us understand more about what's happening for us. Where are these emotions coming from? What is it that might be triggering them? And how can we use that to better understand how I'm reacting in a variety of situations? If we deny ourselves the exploration of those thoughts and feelings and emotions, and we only allow ourselves to be in this state of positivity, then we are not enabling ourselves to to be our best self. Many people talk about that. you know it is important to be a best self. And I, I sometimes feel that when I see um, a lot of things being said, what we deny what is denied in many of those spaces is the is the um, openness and authenticity to to recognize that, well, not everything can be positive if we're going to try and be our best self. There are going to be many times when we're faced with hardship and difficulties and extreme sadness. And we have to be able to acknowledge those feelings and not just acknowledge them, but express them and find ways to be able to share that in a healthy way. So I hope that this has been a, a helpful exploration of, you know, can you be too positive? Um, and I hope I've provided an answer to that in some way. Really keen to hear what you've got to think about with this, what your perspective is on it as well. And please do come back and let me know um you know the podcast is available on the regular uh, podcasting platforms so please do find it where you do share it let others know that you, you've been listening to it and if you can hit those like buttons uh, on the respective platforms that does help us to get found so folks uh, i hope you have a, a good weekend ahead of you and i will catch you on the next show